Hello, and welcome back to Current Kick Commentaries. Today we are returning to covering the film Knives Out. As always, my name is Jake Delmastro, and I'm joined by my very good friend Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton. Hello, how are Doing you? Doing very well. We are also joined, again, by Margot Laliberte. Did I pronounce that correctly, Margot? You did. I'm impressed. Yes. Yeah, it's not it's not a blank a blank blank situation. Yeah. Really. <clears throat> so what did we talk about last week? Last week we did uh well, it was a very Christopher Plummer uh Star Wars heavy episode, I think. Yes. Be we discovered of... how the real villain of this film is JJ Abrams. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jake discovered that. We were yeah. along for the ride. <laughs> I don't really understand how he got there, I mean, but even to call it discovery, it was clearly like he was it was he was speaking from experience. Yeah, you have a, you seem to have like a long seated vendetta that's yeah. coming to light. Yeah, and it was mostly towards the end of the episode too. I wouldn't really even say it was like an overarching mm. theme. We're building to that point, I um, think. Much like this film was building to its yeah, climax. Exactly. Precisely, yes. <laughs> And at Excellent. the end, we discover uh, it was J.J. Abrams all along. <laughs> that's that's actually the, the villain sequel. pulls off in his the mask. sequel. It's J.J. Abrams. Exactly, is <laughs> it is investigating. It, Benoit Blanc is investigating why why Star Wars the um, what happened to the Star Wars? <laughs> what happened? To why Star did Wars the last Jedi, Jedi suck so hard? <laughs> <laughs> Who done it? Who did done it? Who did done it? We gonna talk um, about that. We'll talk about that a bit. Um, yeah. How many sets do you think it, it 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 took to make up the house? Like, how did they make up the house? Is it one interior and then one exterior? Like. Oh, um. Well, I mean, I would expect just like the way that like Hollywood normally makes movies that the inside of the house is just completely a soundstage, and that the outside of the house is some real house in New England. But uh, mm. I'm getting the sense that that's not correct. It's half correct. I know that okay. the, uh, the I think the second and third floors, um, are a just a soundstage, and the first floor. I think the inside of the first floor, um, and some of the exteriors are the Ames Mansion, um, but a lot of the exterior shots are a private residence somewhere outside of boston so it, it, is it a soundstage upstairs is a soundstage it's is okay. it's both <laughs> yes and okay, no so yeah exactly what you said the um the main floor was indeed the ames mansion um which is a 1920s home located outside of boston uh the the upper two floors like the study and the uh the upstairs that was a a soundstage and the study is one of my favorite rooms of all time now. Yeah, it's mm. it's a great. So this room. is the one with the sword, like, or sorry, the knife, like, sort of ring. No, no, no. That's the parlor downstairs. So that oh, is okay, no Ames Mansion. Upstairs, the study is a soundstage, which the study okay, is so what the study... is your favorite room, right, yeah. Keaton? Yeah. The yeah. study is where where he died, where they were playing Go. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, the so the knife so yeah, so the knife circle, that's the first floor, that's the Ames mansion. The knife donut, if you will. The knife yes. donut. The knife donut. <laughs> exactly. I will. Thank you. Um, Don't mind if I do. Yeah, so we should mention the production designer is a guy named David Crank. Killed it. Uh exactly. Yeah, he just yeah. 
that's one Absolutely of the best parts fantastic. of this movie is the set deck is so good. Yeah. Um, one of the notes that he got was to fill the house with quote unquote oddities uh that i think he boy succeeded. does he deliver <laughs> yeah. at that job he really he did not take that lightly so this was interesting so i should mention the my major source for uh the locations here is a fun little website called atlas of wonders um that does sound like a fun little website it does yes <laughs> Um, yeah, we should have a like a links page, like a fucking like uh, '90s website where we have like all the websites we. Like, we should actually we really like should do that for the podcast. There are tons. We'll of, throw like, that up there with the Oracle of Bacon. <laughs> yeah, well, there's tons of like little websites like that that we use or I use to. Yeah. Anyway, um, this that's where I got the uh, the Ames Mansion information, and they have like this little. Uh, series that they do with movies where they like give you exact locations for like every scene in particular that's pretty films. cool yeah it, i thought it would be up your alley um but it definitely is i'm opening the thing right now a funny uh detail is uh so they did the exterior of harlan trom trom thromby thromby oh god <laughs> <laughs> you're really struggling <laughs> Um, this is, so I'm just going to read what it said, uh, on their website about the exterior. The exterior mm. of Harlan Thromby's house was filmed in a mansion located in Massachusetts, west of Boston. Ew. <laughs> the property is a private residence and is not open to the public. A representative of the family contacted us to take out references to the exact location of the house, including those oh. in the comments as well. The unexpected wow. success of the movie has caused an interest in the house that is very unwelcome. Yikes. Really? Wow. So, sorry, sorry. who is this that's saying this? This is the uh, the website or somebody who worked on the movie? That's from the website. That's from uh, okay. atlasofwonders.com. Um, okay. I wonder how much they got paid for. So Alice of Wonders was able to locate it precisely, they but they were asked it, not yeah. to. And then yeah. they were contacted, told to cease and desist. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Exactly, yeah. but Fair enough. I wouldn't want to, uh, you know, everybody like gathering around my house doing weird things. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I can't expect, I guess they're getting like tourists, people trying to like show up and like look at the outside. Yeah. Which I guess is definitely annoying. That's like definitely been an issue with other film houses. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, you kind of like you're giving your house over to a forty million dollars. Yeah, it's true. It was film. your choice to allow them to film in the first place. Yeah, but it, I mean, it was their choice. But there was probably some sort of agreement or understanding that yeah. the exact location was not going to be you know a part yeah. of uh, yeah fair or enough. released to the public I yeah, mean, that's yeah, pretty true. standard that is also pretty like right pretty invasive yeah but i, I mean yeah so i mean let this be a warning if you are considering allowing your house to be used at a film this may happen to you yeah yeah uh <laughs> and also if you happen to know where this house is don't go there <laughs> they don't want you no don't please don't the go internet. there <laughs> yeah don't tell yeah. anyone else enjoy it from a distance um, yes. Like from Google Photos. 
Yeah. Meanwhile, we will tell you all the exact <laughs> locations of where the fly was filmed. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's city property. Most it's true. All that's all that's publicly accessible. Actually, not entirely true. We did we did name drop that uh, bubble tea place. That's publicly accessible. It's. A... Oh yeah, well, it's a bit. Yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah it's not like a private residence. Yeah, they want they want you to come. Yeah, yeah they really want you to come. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they should. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, good point. But it, it's it, it is a it's a real house for the most part. I for guess. the most yeah. part, except for the best room. Yeah. Um. But the uh, the the sword donut is in the house. Yeah. Should we talk about the sword donut a little bit? The sword donut or donuts in general? <laughs> well, I think it's a connected um theme. Okay. What what did you want to say about it? Well, I just wanted to like draw attention to the, first of all the existence of the sword donut. Um, I mean, it's pretty hard to miss. It's yeah. an enormous <laughs> sword donut that takes up like an entire wall and is featured prominently. Uh-huh. Is it on the poster? Let me just. <laughs> it might even be on the poster. <laughs> no, it is not. I, I don't know if not. you plebs out there noticed, but there was a fucking sword donut that <laughs> might have escaped your notice. Yes. Well. No, it does. It does not appear like it was enormous, on the poster. It's enormous, but it, it is in many scenes, and you cannot fucking miss it. So this really practically oh, wait, invisible sword donut. There is. Looks like there is a version of the poster that does have it, <laughs> but it is not the main poster. So this practically invisible sword donut. It's tiny little, only the real high intellectuals will notice. <laughs> but it's more of a knife donut. There's very few swords on There's, it. Yeah, it's not really swords. True, it is much more of a knife donut because also like they, t- you know, the with the whole, can't tell the difference between a stage knife and a, a props, real knife. A prop, prop knife, knife and, and a real knife. Yeah, so yeah. it's definitely, and also the movie's called Knives Out. So yeah. we're yeah, we were wrong. It's definitely a knife donut. Yeah. And not a sword donut. Yeah, I don't know why we Yeah, we fucked up. Yeah. Um anyway, my whole point with all of that uh was to talk about the framing that they do. Jake, we might talk you might talk about that a bit later. Is is that part of your A little bit, but not not overarchingly now. Well, it's also like I mean I like cinematography is not necessarily like it's not sometimes it's up to the dp but also sometimes things like that will be something that's like specifically included in the script yeah or it's like added yeah, by definitely. the director or something or like it's that's not necessarily yeah their job yeah what what you do as a dp like strongly depends on who your director is i mm-hmm. think yeah and i mean some of those fun like visual callbacks are little like you know visual i don't know what the word is um well, like the 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 knife sword is a it is it's I guess it's like what is it symbolic? Sim- symbolism? Yeah, but it's not like I'm looking for a specific word. Anyway, it, it's fine. It yeah. doesn't matter. I think what Keaton's getting at is the knife donut <laughs> is it is very uh you know it's used in a really specific way through all the interrogation scenes and it's that the backdrop for all of the. Um, the suspects, but no one's ever, all of their heads are always slightly off kilter to the, 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 so none of their heads fill that donut hole, which I guess is it. The point is that it symbolizes that none of their stories are quite the piece, the missing piece in the middle of the, you know, the story that is the donut. 
So can I just say about the donut and the hole in the donut? I love that. <laughs> I love it. All that time I was thinking, dude, the word you're looking for is Timbit. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. No, seriously, there is definitely a huge lapse between like the American and Canadian because they call it a donut hole and we have a name for it. It's yeah, a, bitch. It's a fucking Timbit. It's Tim's bit. Yeah. So, so for all the American <laughs> listeners... Who do not understand. In Canada, we have this chain of coffee shops no, called Tim Hortons. They have them America, They have them down there now. Yeah, they do have some in America, but... Isn't there one anyway. in Times Square? Yeah. Is there? Yeah. I don't recall. Um, wild. Anyway, so... <laughs> in well, what Canada, it is, is it's a donut the cent- with a donut yes. inside it in, with a Timbit inside that. Yes. So the, the donut is. hole is in, is in fact filled by a smaller donut... <laughs> Which, in fact, is then filled with a Timbit. Yes, with exactly. One of Precisely. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> Disgusting. Yeah, that's exactly what I was trying to get at there. Which then later in the movie is the only time that someone is actually framed as, uh, you know, filling that donut hole is once Benny Blanc is r- sort of realizing and unraveling ransom's involvement and how he did what he did and yeah. whatever so so like mm. yeah basically so everyone... i actually didn't notice that yeah when i, when I said this one but margo pointed that did, out to did me. you it's did awesome. you figure that out yourself or was that was that something you read about i i mean it was i guess both like when i first saw right. the movie it was something that i definitely noticed, noticed. Yeah. it's pretty clear right, okay. like i think and i mean i i'm saying that like oh you didn't notice it's not it's not that it's obvious in that like everyone yeah. would but it's one of those things that like once you notice it then you go back right and it's v- i'm definitely gonna have to think about that now looking at it's the, very watching, deliberate yeah. like those first interrogation yeah. scenes totally. like the way that it's framed and it's such a highlight uh, it's such a highlighted mm. piece in all of them that you're kind of as a, as an as a viewer, you're like, okay, well, there has to be some like, what is yeah, this? Is. What it's is so, the device of this? It's so visually striking that it does feel like you're like, right. what are they're getting? I have What's to the point here? Work through something, yeah. So yeah, every time someone's telling a version of events that is not fully true, the hole mm-hmm. is not filled, and then yeah, once Benny yes. fills yeah. the hole, it's it's great, good stuff, a lot of fun. Visual clues and stuff. <laughs> a lot of fun. Um, so we haven't really talked about the uh, plot device of the the vomit. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love her quirk. Yeah, it's such a it's such a perfect thing. quirk for her to have as a character. Like it's yeah, it's it's sweet. It's innocent. It's yeah. earnest. <laughs> it's honest. It's it's and just it's fucking perfect. gross. And it's fucking gross. And it's a great tool you know it's like it's this yeah. great uh yeah it is and it's kind of it hits weapon it, they and it's something that like seems plausible but then when you think about it, it doesn't really make any fucking sense yeah it it's it's one of those things i feel like it almost it's it's almost caricature but it mm. suits her character so well that you, you yes, do take it in stride exactly. a little bit and, and it's yeah, like yeah. it's believable yeah. so yeah speaking of the uh the barfing there's a great Great uh, uh, quote from D'Armas about that here from the uh, Hollywood Reporter, if you want to read that. Yeah, so um, I'm a master at making gulping sounds. Uh, She says that it was basically um, the vomit that was used was a benign concoction of baby food uh, that was the subject of fascination amongst her co-stars. She says 
Everybody went out on the grass and tried to puke in their mouth and see what texture it was and how far it would go. <laughs> Gross. Gross. <laughs> but I mean, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I would yeah. Yeah, I would probably do that. I'd give it a whirl. Give it a, a yeah. A, a, a hur. Give it a hur. A hurl. Mm, I mean. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. You that tried for it. Sorry. <laughs> um. She also the last thing she said because uh, this is a good uh, good interview she gave with the Hollywood Reporter and I thought this was a fun quote. Right. Yeah. So she was talking about um, Ryan Johnson, uh, who seems to be his own his own best critic, um, his own harshest critic. Sorry. Uh, oh, I was gonna, like okay. Um, and she says that on set uh, he was often trying to like find holes in his own plot. Um. She says, we're all trying to be little detectives to see if we could make mis- we could find mistakes in the logic of the film. And she says that there was not a single one. Oh, so Which, all of the, know, the cast and crew were to... trying to poke holes into, yeah, into yeah, yeah, Ryan yeah. Johnson's? Right, okay. Well, and, and he was as well. Yeah, oh, okay. just everyone just like yeah. poking holes in the script. Yeah. Just to make sure it's airtight. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and... Clearly, it's probably ha- that's like helpful that peer review. I mean, yeah, you know, no, exactly. For make sure. sure that although the, I'm, the mystery I'm sure that that sound. happens with every fucking yeah, mystery you've, movie. You've got a, I well, you'd think that, but I feel like there's some mysteries. Yeah, that's true. Well, that I mean, maybe they don't always take like, the advice. Yeah, maybe they don't always take the advice, but um, <laughs> yeah, the advice might be there, but yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about the filming of the movie. Yeah. So perhaps we should get into the actual filming of the movie. As okay, it were. what what are you what are you getting at here? Uh, let's talk about cinematography. Okay, because I think that that like honestly, when I was looking at this movie, I thought that was just a standout sort of aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. This movie just looks so good. Yeah, um, it definitely. It definitely has a visual, like, it's very visually striking. It's striking and it's very cohesive, too. Exactly. But, yeah, so the director of photography for this movie was Steve Yedlin. Do you know anything else he's worked on? Yes, he's worked on quite a few things. Uh, Because I don't recognize the name. I guess he's probably worked on stuff with... um... Ryan he has Johnson. worked on stuff with Ryan Johnson. Many things with Ryan Johnson. In fact, he goes all the way back to his debut, Brick. Okay. And so, he worked on Star Wars too. Yeah, right. Because I do remember and reading think, that they um that and Looper. A lot of the ca- uh, a lot of the crew that worked on Star Wars actually also they just kind of mm. carried them over, which is as we have learned, a lot of directors like to carry their crew uh, between projects. Um, but it is. I mean, also I kind would of... do that. Totally. Why yeah. would you? <laughs> no, it makes. I don't sense. want to have to like meet new people and like <laughs> you know. Yeah, like. <laughs> ugh. Um, ugh. But it is kind of hilarious to think of like the same crew working on such different movies. Like. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a little, a little funny to think about. But yeah, Steve Yedlin, very accomplished cinematographer. And yeah. I, I find he's very talented at what he does. Absolutely. Um. I said earlier about the the filming of this movie. Yeah, you made a specific uh, point to highlight the word film. Mm, okay. I did. So <clears throat> Ryan Johnson is a big proponent of 
35 millimeter photography. So this is uh is that something you, know. you and him have in common? Um no, my opinions on this are complex and we shall not dive into them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is another thing like what, everything is off limits. No, like no, well, that's a forbidden topic. No, what it, all we're saying when we do that is that this podcast is already like pushing the limits of listenability. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, it, these are like topics that will, and that's even not even talking in terms of content, in terms of length, it's pushing the e- limits. So exactly, w- we're gonna like, like, we we could do a whole episode where I talk about that. Yeah, we could too. We, and maybe we will. <laughs> we could do a three part episode where you talk about that. Anyway, but anyway, so uh, Steve Yedlin, sorry, no, Ryan Johnson is a big proponent of. 35 millimeter photography so obviously uh you know he wanted up until to shoot. fairly recently every movie was done on 35 millimeter film no digital photography uh and ryan johnson is obviously a big fan of this old school system of doing things how do you however how do you edit stuff when you on film like or i i mean like um yes on film but like these days, if you were to like shoot uh, something on film these days, would you still edit it in the same way? Actually, so no, I, yes, actually, you would still edited, use. Sorry. I would assume you digitize it first and then do the editing after. Well, or so is this that is what you do. More work than it's worth. You do digitize it, and you edit it in a non-linear editor, which is you know the modern kind of editor, uh, and however. Instead of writing that file back out, what you do is your editor will create an edit list. And, and then is... you go ahead and it'll tell you... Sorry? What's an, what do you mean by what's an edit list? An edit list is, is a list of all the edits you have made to the film. Oh, like an action list. Yeah, and so essentially somebody reads that list and makes all the edits to the actual film strip. You're joking. That's hilarious. That's yeah. actually not what's that's not what people do now. Mostly it's but that is the way that it was done when non-linear editing first came into existence. And I guess sometimes it probably is still done now. That probably m- on like Christopher Nolan films or something. Ugh, that makes me want to tear my hair out thinking about <laughs> But this that wasn't how this movie well, was. Well, once done. I get my Krosnigorsk, I'll have to learn how to do that. Wait, I was mean, this movie shot on film? I think we'll get into We're it. We're getting to that. <laughs> okay. Because it looks kind of like you it distracted me. Like it might have. Was it? I feel like I'm going to say that and then it's going to seem stupid. Just say I'm it. Stop dog. talking. Just say it, dog. No, keep talking. Okay. It keep looks like in. it could have been. You. It looks. You think millimeter? it looks like it was shot on film? As do I. Okay. I think it looks like <laughs> well, it was this shot wasn't on a film. trap to make me look really dumb. Okay. Cool. Um, <laughs> we wouldn't do that. Ryan Johnson, a big proponent of 35 millimeter film. However, Steve has different opinions. Steve doesn't like 35 millimeter. Well, I mean, when I say 35 millimeter, I mean film, like, in general, but, like, specifically the format that, you know, is yeah, the yeah. main, mainly used in the Hollywood industry is 35 millimeter. He, yeah, but he, he just doesn't like working with film, generally, is what you meant by that. No, not oh. necessarily. Uh, okay, then explain, Steve's opinion, uh-huh. Steve, Steve takes issue with the entire debate, apparently. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> so, what? 
according to Steve's philosophy, essentially, is that um, cameras do not make the look. Cameras do not make a movie look a certain way. Okay. Now, while he has worked with film many times in the past, including in Star Wars, um, Ryan obviously was preparing to shoot this movie on film. However, Steve apparently kept telling him, it's harder for me to make film look like film than to make digital look like film. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. That's awesome. So he was on board for it to look like it was shot on film. He just wasn't on board to actually shoot it on film because it's way more work than faking film via digital camera. Is that the point? Essentially. That's hilarious. Essentially. That is the... uh, um, So Steve has actually gone through the trouble. This is something Steve clearly feels very strongly about. Clearly. He's created a demo which which you can watch and I've I've linked that in the outline but oh that's excellent uh which uh he has gone ahead and shot the the same scene this is created as a demo to like sort of prove his point he shot the same scene on both film and digital oh that's great and then he's manipulated the digital file to look as close to the film as possible to try to prove the point that it doesn't matter what camera you shoot it on. That's very interesting. We're going to that website now. Now, my opinions on this subject are complex, and we do not have time to get into them today because I do not need to explain the Fourier series and Nyquist-Shannon theorem. But, um, (laughs) you know. It's uh, an interesting debate, for sure, and I know nothing about it. Suffice to say, I don't think that that, that Steve's demonstration here ends the debate as such as he wishes to <laughs> so he he you're, he thinks it's it's conclusive we're watching it right now to make sure so this is the film footage we're watching right now like i think the entire idea of the demo is somewhat fraught with uh with you know a couple uh oh. issues <laughs> and what are those he just proved his point to me and what are what are the issues that it's fraught with so, Margo, you think he's proved his point? No, well, I no, I was saying that because he played two clips and Keaton said, oh, this one's the film, and I disagreed, and I was like, no, 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 this one's definitely the film, and then I said, oh, unless he just proved his point to me and it's actually the digital one that looks more like film than the one that was filmed on film. <laughs> well, here's what I'll tell you right now. Neither of the clips you are watching are on film. You're uh, watching them on a fucking computer screen. Right. It doesn't Th- that's matter. part of the issue I have, but we we won't get into it because yeah, we're not I mean, watching it, a projection. We're watching a digitized version, regardless. Is your point? Well, yes, but that's that's not the whole story, anyway. <laughs> but I like I think that me and Steve kind of agree here to a certain extent that it's not the camera that makes the look. No, but I'm still kind of confused. My as to what point, the point. I mean, is. I I think most people would say that it's a pretty untalented DP who relies solely on, like, the kind of exactly. camera he uses to set yes. the look or the tone or the mood or anything like that. Yeah. Yes, but I think that the the problem that I kind of have is the entire idea that the point of film. Is, is just visual. That film has some look that you can't emulate in digital. Right. As opposed to the whole experience of, like, using film? Uh, like I what's... don't know. My 
my arguments are far more technical than that, and we don't have time to go over them. But it's which is why I was arguments. hesitant to even bring up uh, my opinion on it. But your point is that your argument is more technical. It's about um, the uh, actual application of using it as opposed to how it looks. Or am I way off base? Yeah, basically. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Let's just stop knocking at that door. Yeah. So ultimately, anyway, this movie looks great. The, but the and it's not film. This movie was not shot on film. I need to be clear about that. This movie, Ari Alexa or whatever, looks great. It was shot on Ari Alexa's. However, there was one shot that was done on film. Ooh, oh, which, which one? Shot? Steve refuses to tell us. Oh, the oh, bastard. That's <laughs> actually a pretty dope move, that though. Is... That's a pretty sick power move. Steve. I'm not going to lie. I have a lot of respect for Steve now. <laughs> I No, I, I respect that. So, but anyway, um, the they weren't actually planning to do that, but apparently Steve had, had as a surprise uh, birthday present to Ryan Johnson, because they're best pals, uh, right, he had yeah. uh, had a... 30, a vintage 35mm Panavision camera restored for Ryan Johnson. Aww. Aww. Adorable. What a nice gesture. Yeah. And then, be, I guess, because they were on set, they're like, oh, let's do a shot on this. So what's so they did. everybody's guess? What? I don't know. It's There's a lot of fucking shots in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it could but literally be any of them. It's true. Because my mind immediately goes to that um, it's like an important shot, but I guess because like you say- I bet you it's- because it's, it's probably incidental. Exactly. Because it's just something. Because if it, it's probably not a complex like fucking dolly shot. Exactly. And if they just had it yeah. on on set and he like just gave it to him as a present, it's probably just like some rant. It's probably one of the stills that you like. Yeah. It's it's probably a, a one that was easy to set up. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. One, one you it, don't yeah. even notice, which is so inf- almost yeah. infuriating, honestly. That like we'll never know. <laughs> I bet yeah, maybe so, he'll tell us on his so deathbed. I'll tell you one scene that it definitely wasn't, and that was the one where she's climbing the trellis. Okay, and why definitely wasn't it? Because that's a crane shot. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, yeah. You have to have the rig set up for the right camera, right? Right. And so they wouldn't. I don't think they would have gone through the effort of getting all the fucking crap to adapt the right camera to it. And then more people would know. More people would know. Yeah. Unless they did it specifically because it wasn't one that I would think of for that reason. Because Steve's a fucking asshole. It's, again, we're learning about what we're learning Sorry, about nothing Steve. against you, Steve. Yeah. Also, I just had, like, an epiphany. That... But I want to know! <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> me, too. <laughs> me, 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 too. I just had an epiphany. But, yeah. Um, I'd like to mm-hmm. apologize to Ryan John. Yeah? You think his name might not be Ryan? Is that the epiphany? No, it's just it might it's be just you know Ryan. He's a human being, and it's disrespectful to purposefully mispronounce someone's name. And I like his work, and you know maybe that's a you know it's a weirdly spelled name. Maybe that was like when a kid when he was a kid. Maybe people bullied him for that, and that's like a sticking point. And I want him to maybe. come on this podcast. So it's true. Um, You're invited. He's invited. Yeah. So I want to treat him with the respect that he talk deserves. About, so come I, on, talk about you know. All the juicy details about you and J.J. Abrams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. talk to Jake about that. A tell-all. Let's talk about 35mm film. 
so yeah i mean that that was my main interesting thing was that i was building up to is that there was one shot in this movie that was done on film that is and i thought that was pretty that's interesting. a fun little easter egg that is great and it's gonna like even though sorry i was just gonna say you may have ruined the film for me now though just because oh. I'm not going to be able to... <laughs> You're going to be obsessed with like, trying wait, to figure is that out. One? No, it can be that one. Wait, <laughs> is it that one? It maybe. It could be that one. Wait. It's like... I mean, it's completely fucking academic because, like, you know, they shot the thing on film, but then they had to, like, fucking scan it digitally, bring it into their fucking editor, color grade it digitally, and then, yeah. like, fucking do all this shit to it. Yeah, it is. It's... Uh, yeah. Still still gonna torment me mm-hmm. yeah do you guys have any shots or, or cinematic choices that come to mind as as standout as standout um for me one that comes to mind is um that i liked i always like it's i always like it when they do when they do this in movies i don't know why i find it so effective but when there's a scene that is chaotic or distressing and they do the the shaky handheld when it's used oh, well. That was a great. It's point. very effective. Like yeah. when she's right, yes, because normally she... I fucking hate that. Yeah, and if it's overused, it's unwatchable and it ruins the mm. viewing experience for me. Like totally. I, yeah, I, I hate it. But I find in this movie because yeah. it's so short, it's so specific. It's right after mm-hmm. she, you know they they read the will and that it's all left to her. Well, and when the family yeah. is accosting her yeah, and she's trying and to get out and they switch suddenly it's so intense shaking and, and because it's so uh opposite from how the rest of the film is shot especially mm-hmm. like it, it like the, yeah, rest the, of the shot film, the the it's it, very still it's and... either still hard cuts um yeah. or like like slow smooth pans it's like yeah. it's never this shaky Definitely, frantic yeah. organic like yeah it's not it, it's, and it's very brief too like it's yeah. as soon as she gets to her car it's it's done it's only about four yeah. or five seconds of, yeah. of of video, but it's I like that one a lot. Yeah, that's a really great scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah I'm trying. Actually, to... come to think of it, that's that's another thing that makes it look like it was shot on film. Was all that uh, because obviously with a film camera, it's very hard to do handheld. Yeah, right. Yeah, it, well, so, it gives um, it kind of a vintage feel when you have a lot more. It gives it a vintage shots. feel when you tend to do like yeah. all your slow movement shots. Yeah. Very smooth, you know. Instead of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's boring, but I can't. I got to come back to the donut shot. The knife donut is just. It's so but good. The knife donut is not really, like, that's that to me is not necessarily that's, yeah, a cinematic that's a... decision. That, that again, like, no, that's, yeah. that's. Well, I mean, it's cinematic that... in the sense that. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's cinematic it's in that it's a visual, but it's not it, yeah. it's not a cinematic decision in terms of like, it's not a cinematographic mm, yeah, decision. Well, <laughs> it, it doesn't have to do with the photography of the film. Good point. Yeah, okay. It's Yeah, it's a prop. It's a thematic prop yes. that probably was yes. in the script. Yes. Um, Good point. I like, yeah. I'm trying to think of other ones, but. I mean, it would have had to be in the script because that's where he gets the knife to do the thing right yeah yeah this movie is very full of um like visual details and i feel Mm. like that makes this movie as compelling and kind of immersive as it is is all these little little details that are put in and one of them Mm -hmm. is for me that i that might be my favorite little moment of the whole movie yeah which is after chris evans character ransom um you know, says in for a penny and attacks 
Marta would like his little moment mm -hmm. where oh, he yeah. realizes and they're staring at each other and it's such a tense yeah, it, like yeah. you know it's like and you've you, just hit the climax of you, the movie you, you as an audience still think mm. she's been stabbed for yeah a brief and you're like holding your breath and yeah. it's so like you know emotionally intense and serious yeah. and then he you know pulls his hand back yeah. and then the little like squeak 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 yeah. as he's testing it is such Check a great it. little moment like, of levity in the shit. in the climax yeah. it's really it's fun very, very very good i mean yeah just the way the whole movie like blends the the comedy and drama so well is very yeah very very good yeah it has good good moments of humor for sure there's a lot of details like with yeah. the mug it's another detail that's oh yeah so fun. that's a great one yeah, you point um, out a lot of good yeah. things. Like I mean, that. I really wish I had more time to watch this movie like a bunch of times. Yeah. I mean, clearly, which you have, Mario. Six times the charm, baby. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the, the piano. Yeah, so, the piano um, at the oh, start. Yes. That's a great one. Mm. We can't forget about that detail. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Tell me. Yeah, go in, go into the detail. I asked. Yeah, we were watching it. And um, uh, so, you know, at the, at the beginning when he's interviewing everybody. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Benny Blanc starts like playing the piano notes. It's just one note. It's the mm -hmm. same note. Oh, he plays the same note. I was like, that has to mean something. What does that mean? Like, that has to mean something. It's, uh, it's like a, a cue for the detectives or like a reminder for them to ask um, the question, what time did you arrive at the party? So every time he mm. uh, plays that note, the immediate question that follows is, uh, and what time did you arrive? Yeah. So like, so you arrived mm. to the party at... Yeah. Uh, but they do it it's not know. obvious they do it quite like i don't think i picked up on that yeah. until my I mean, third I didn't time that. maybe no. i didn't i couldn't i knew you know it's something mm. but i thought it was going to be a little bit more exactly, abstract yeah. than that and then i think on my third yeah. time i was like oh okay yeah. he's asking the same thing because he cause, well because he phrases it slightly differently each time and the detectives like take it in stride differently they don't they don't necessarily oh like ask that immediately or they'll you know right yeah yeah added on to the question they were finishing it's, it's like you know smooth. yeah it's yeah exactly mm. it's the yeah they do it is seamless hmm. and then yeah so and then the mug was also yeah the one. mug is so fucking good this scene it's journey through the movie it's travels are so fun it's like one of the first shots is of the mug isn't it, it might even be the first shot no the first the 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 intro shot is of the dogs oh right of the dogs running yeah. who are also important harbingers of truth in yes. this movie in more than one instance harbingers of what of truth truth oh are we going there <laughs> no i just you, you <laughs> said it so oh I... god i didn't mean to say anything i was just <laughs> you did it <laughs> oh, you, no. you invoked the name you have okay. you have invoked invoked the, the name of truth okay just yeah. like biden did sure just yes exactly like but yeah you have, uh, you have spoken the incantation yeah <laughs> But yeah, that scene at the end when she's when she's standing drinking out of the mug, um, on the uh, on the balcony like above everybody looking down. It's yeah, it's my a... house, my mm. rules, my coffee. Yeah, so good after. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it is. It is. It is her house, her rules, her coffee. And just the last little thing in this like mini section, I believe we'll call uh, Margot's things Margo does Margo noticed in Knives Out oh god <laughs> no <laughs> um, sounds like a terrible segment she also no it's got to be alliterative it's it's, uh, it's gotta yeah be... true um Margo's moments um <laughs> um 
sounds like I'm like in a, like an old person and you're talking about my dementia moments. She's like, oh, Margo's having another moment. Well, that's a Margo, that's a Margo moment. She's having a Margo moment. Personality is showing. Uh, no, the last thing I was going to was the, uh, the tray at the beginning. Oh, love it. Love it. Oh, I love it so much. I, I'm a really... Wait, which tray? I'm a really big fan of uh the mystery genre and uh the kind of the the like the mystery in a box genre and this movie yeah, is really yeah. just a fucking love letter to yeah, that the, whole, the whole agatha christie yeah yeah um and and it, it in honor of that or in service of that i guess it includes a lot of you know fun little calls to like really classic uh tropes tropes and scenes and and props um of of yeah like classic 30s mystery christie stuff and one of the um god what is, there's a specific word i wish i knew the specific word yeah it's not trope it's, it's close to trope but it's more like a homage homo- motif homo- it's, something. Uh, no it's not a motif though homage. it basically i'll explain what i'm saying and then you'll uh, you'll see but um it's a it's a very common cut. It's a very common shot in mystery films to have the the maid or the housekeeper or whatever stumble upon the body and drop scream and drop whatever she's holding. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And this movie, like the fun little subversion that they do, is she finds the body and she goes to drop the tray and she kind of does this like this very human like oh fuck shit and like tries to catch it and she actually yeah. doesn't drop it which is like you know it, it, it's such an iconic shot yeah. um, and it always yeah. ends with the scream and the dropping the tray the clattering of the tray to the yeah, ground and so the mug this, shattering I, I just really love that little that fun mm. little decision that just to yeah to turn it a little bit on its head just yeah, for you, some extra you fun. pointed that out to me when when the movie first started and like it's just it's such a good way to start the movie even just on the note of like thinking about that because it's like it, it that is the theme that the film follows for the rest of the it is the theme and it's also like this movie this movie balances uh like it, it's it's self-referential to the genre without like bashing you over the head with it at least my in my opinion mm. it doesn't bash it over the head i well, guess maybe some people yeah i mean it i don't know i didn't i didn't feel bashed over the head i don't feel bashed over the head i think i could see how you could maybe but i again like we we're saying i just love it earlier, like i'm like the more the, the merry like i want like all well, I the mean, classic it, i feel like if you're not iconic that familiar with the genre you don't you probably won't even pick up on a lot of yeah, yeah that's true it's probably it's yeah they're probably yeah. thrown in there for the mystery fans that are like you know nerding exactly. out at these like yeah. specific shots and specific yeah props and stuff that come up but there's a lot like he uses a lot of really classic classic ones like um like overhearing the uh and it's not even that important of the plot it's the just the Nazi child masturbating <laughs> in the bathroom that's my favorite oh yeah no that's not what i was talking about um oh sorry that's not a classic mystery trope you said yes over... having nazi children masturbate you, in the bathroom you said overhearing yeah, i don't genre. think i know any other yeah. <laughs> mystery no i was talking about the um yeah. overhearing someone yell uh you tell her or i will right yeah. it's a lot of fun oh, that's a very classic one um there's yeah there's the dropping the tray there's 
There's so many. I can't think of yeah. them all on the spot, but there's there's tons. Oh, the dogs knowing the dogs oh, yeah, knowing the, the murderer who yeah. the murderer is. That's a good one. That is a good That's one. That's a fun one. It's not necessarily like a, an absolute staple of the genre, but it's a in the way that the other two are. But it, it's a it's a fun one that's definitely recurring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's more too. And as we oh, rewatch it, this movie is nothing but little homages to, like you know, classic icons of the genre. It's 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 literally a stitched quilt of just that, yeah. of just references. It's he really clearly is a fan of the genre. Yeah, exactly. Like mm-hmm. that it, comes through. Yeah. Uh, I just want to mention before we get into the next segment a little in- interesting. Uh, factoid about the uh, the oh. name of the family the thrombies yeah you mean the crombies uh, is that the uh <laughs> sorry you mean the crombies? the crombies is that the name of the is taken from a 1981 choose your own adventure book called who killed harlow thromby awesome. which i'm pretty sure i have oh my god no oh, way really? that's no hilarious way. you have to find yeah. that that's good that's funny yeah i will that is great. Yeah, I forgot about that. That is a great little detail. I should have looked into that. We should have yeah. read that. Choose your own adventure. I'm I'm pretty sure I, I I've 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 played out the little choose your own adventure thing in that That's book. That's awesome. I wonder who did it. Well, I think the idea is like you, depending on how you go through the book, it's a different person. It is a choose your own adventure <laughs> after <is>. all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh what was your revelation there? You remembered another one it looked like. Oh, uh just I was just gonna say the um the invisible ink. Uh for yeah. the for the oh, the letter classic. from Harlow to Joni. That was a good one. Or not Joni, Linda. I always get them confused. I love that. Yeah, that detail. was a lot of fun. That's like, mm. you know And it also speaks to the to the like uh to Don Johnson's character. That like he just like after he opened the letter he didn't destroy it or anything. He just opened it and threw it on the desk. Mm. Uh yeah, because he didn't notice, like... Because he didn't think... That it was anything important at all. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And funnily, he is the... Uh, he, he is instrumental in um, Linda finding the letter, because... Uh, he which is it. another fun little... Right. Cause... Did you read about that? Oh, I didn't read about it. I, I noticed oh, it with yes, my... Oh, yes, noticed it with your... With uh, my... No, I didn't, I didn't mean that bitchly. <laughs> I'm like, I, I think <laughs> I read about it. So I was like, I didn't notice it, but yeah, he yeah. she he throws the baseball out of Harlan's office. Mm-hmm. Is this what you were gonna yeah, say? Yeah, yeah. He throws uh, right. the baseball out of outside out the window of Harlan's office, and then later in the movie, um, Jamie Lee Curtis, Benny Blanc. Oh, sorry. Um, but, yeah. finds the baseball, throws it for the dog, and then the dog later in the movie brings the baseball mm-hmm. to, um. Jamie Lee Curtis, Linda, and she is going to put the baseball back in Harlan's office, and that's how she stumbles across the, upon the uh, right. the letter. So sick, like that. So good. And that's just yeah. like that. Like, I just put that together now with the. I didn't even remember that. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh Benoit. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Benny Blanc threw the ball for the dog. I forgot that detail as well. Like, there's so many mm. little, yeah, yeah, yeah. little things and all. Which again, like, this is the the the, the, the me. I wasn't kidding about the dogs being a harbinger of truth. Like, they do it multiple times. They bring the baseball to Linda, which makes her find the letter. They uh, bark at Ransom, which is like the biggest character clue that he's guilty. Yeah. Uh, they bring the broken piece of trellis to uh, Benny. 
that's right benny's yeah. character which makes him put together that you know someone uh climbed the climbed the trellis up to the third floor they're they're they are a uh consistent that is awesome good dogs mm. they are good boys good dogs they were very good dogs <laughs> they were very good they, boys so i believe that we've we've moved as far as we can in this section and i think we have another section coming up well our podcast could be described by some have described it in fact i think even the even the current president <laughs> yes, of the some united states notably the president of the united states have de- described our podcast as a machine this seems like a lie no it's true <laughs> a machine sorry what what did you just say that unerringly ends at the truth no that unerringly arrives at the truth arrives. Okay, so Ben Benjamin sorry, not Benjamin. Benoit B. Blanc. Another long time listener to the podcast. Yes. Ben Benoit B. Blanc, long-time listener His of middle podcast. name starts with B, too? Yes. Do you know that? I, th- I, think, I, I think that's true. Let me double-check that. <laughs> uh, oh, no, it just might be Benoit Blanc. Yeah, I don't I think don't know, there's maybe. an extra B in there. You <laughs> invented a B? That's a weird... There should be a B. That's a weird... I think maybe what you're thinking of, he call, when he calls Marta, he comes up as B... Blanc, so maybe you maybe, just kind yeah. of put that in. Maybe as a as a middle initial. I don't know. I mean, we don't know B. his B. Blanc. name isn't Benoit B Blanc. We it's don't true. know it. Yeah. We, we don't know what his middle name is. Yeah, could um, be Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs> Benoit Benjamin Blanc. It could totally I hope be. it's Benjamin. <laughs> it could totally be. Yeah. Okay, so I'm living in anticipation. Can we move on to this? Long-awaited section. Okay, so what does this machine unerringly arrive at? The truth. Okay. Welcome to the segment... The truth. This is the segment in which our podcast becomes a machine, which unerringly arrives at the truth. Unerringly. It fills all voids inside donuts with a Timbit. Tim's bits are filled inside donuts. But inside the donut hole is another hole. So... We discuss in this segment, most of the time, uh, some tangentially related topic to the film, which is usually of uncertain, uh, has some uncertainty to it, and we get to the bottom of this mystery. Indeed. Indeed. And sometimes Keaton talks about aliens. Often. Most times. (laughs) That is unsurprising. Well, they're usually important 
to uh, getting to the bottom of things. Um, yes. Unfortunately, not this week. Um, no aliens this there's week. There's no aliens? No aliens. What a letdown. I've actually got, I've got a, a series of topics for you here. Um, the first one uh, is just a little fun insert. We kind of talked about it a bit earlier, and I wanted to include it, but it's not like a whole truth, but it's just a fun little true fact. So this is from Slate.com. Uh, they wanted okay. to find the truth behind the, um, the regurgitative reaction to mistruthin. Um, oh, to see if that was a real thing. Yeah. So they contacted Dr. David A. Johnson, uh, a professor mm. of gastroenterology at Eastern Virginia Medical School um, and past president of the American College of Gastroenterology. So in short, an expert. Um, an expert on vomit. A, a vomit expert, yes. Um, so they, they, they called him to ask if he'd ever encountered a patient with a similar regurgitative reaction to mistruthing. Um, he hadn't, but he said he did find it plausible. Uh, the, the depiction of the communication link between the stomach and the brain that lets emotions mess with the digestive system's equilibrium. There's a lot of things that can upset the balance, he said. We do know, we do know too, a lot of this is affected by gut bacteria, that the microbiome mm. is also involved in this complex communication and regulation. The gut-brain connection, we're realizing, is huge. Are we? Yes, absolutely. Tell me more. No. <laughs> What do you? Is no, this, I mean is this I could, you... but this is this is extremely tangential. If we just start talking about the fucking gut brain connection, like Google it. There's a lot of science out there. It's it's a thing that's becoming yeah recent. There's been a lot of recent advancement in in that research and how our gut bacteria affects um, our cognition. Interesting. Yeah. Well, cool. so he goes on to say um, with cases of chronic vomiting. Um, he typically asks patients whether there's a common trigger around episodes. Um, he says, never, uh, at least in my 42 years of experience, has it been brought up that it was specifically around a lie. Uh, but emotional hmm. upset sometimes can be a trigger, he said. Uh, this is maybe what's reflected in the lie, that the patient knows that, there's, uh, knows that it is disconcerting to their integrity. Um, so I, th I think basically what he's getting at here is that he's never heard of such a thing, but mm -hmm. it's not, it doesn't sound, he wouldn't be surprised if it was real. I mean, honestly, like I don't, I don't need a fucking gastroentomologist expert, whatever to tell me that. <laughs> like I, I've thrown up Wait, from sorry, anxiety sorry. before he's a gastro, for sure. Gastroentologist? Gastroentomologist? It's gastro. No, he's definitely not a gastroentomologist. An entomologist is someone who studies insects. It's... No, that's what an entomologist. Oh, is it en enton? There's an N instead of an M. Entomologist. It's a gastroenterologist. Yes, okay. Enterologist. Right. Enterologist. Okay. Gastroenterologist. Not a gastroentomologist, which is somebody. And who, could guess, be something. Exactly. Studies... I, I can only studies say maybe. gut bug guts. Gut bugs. <laughs> um, no bug guts. But... Gut bugs is what a gastroenterologist studies. Of course. Now I can only say <laughs> this with confidence because I'm reading it directly in front of me. Normally in my everyday life, I say gastroenterologist, 
because I don't know what it is. But now yes. that I'm reading it in front of me, it's much easier. So. Yeah, I didn't. I, Gastroenterologist. Yeah. Yes. It's one of those words I, I've seen. I don't think I've seen written very often. I don't think I've ever heard that word. Um, I saw one in high school. Um, mm. So Dr. Johnson uh, makes a little... This is the same guy. Yeah, the, 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 the doctor makes a little joke at yeah. the end of this, at the end of their, uh, their interview. Um, Dr. Johnson would advise, av- would advise avoiding an emotional upset that is known to trigger vomiting. Oh, uh, thanks, Dr. Johnson. In other words, don't lie. Politics is not an option for them, he said. Ooh. Wow, a dig. <laughs> wow. 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 It's getting political. Yeah. What a dig from Dr. Johnson. Thank you, Dr. Johnson. Um, yeah. So that was the that I just wanted to go into that one because I thought that was mm-hmm. fun. That was fun. So the next thing that I tried to look into to to uh base this section off of was I wanted to find like a crime author who was either murdered or like killed themselves in like a right. dramatic fashion. Um I couldn't find anything like that. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of intrigue and drama around Agatha Christie's life. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Right. She went missing for like ten days in 1933 yeah. or something, and there was a a lot of mystery around that. Yeah, I mm. I skipped that just just because. Sure. <laughs> right. I mean, just because that's the obvious one, just like Agatha yeah. Christie. Um, I mean, this isn't this obviously isn't real. But I seem to remember something happened along these lines in an episode of Columbo. <laughs> I like that either you the, the you have to stress. I understand Columbo is not real. Hey, here's here's, <laughs> yes. here's an alien connection. Is they did an episode about that very famous ten day disappearance of Agatha Christie on Doctor Who. <laughs> wow! So there you wow. go. Oh, there's yeah, I some aliens that, for you. Wow! Yeah, it was a uh, season four, I think, of the reboot. Oh, David Tennant yeah. and uh, yeah. Catherine Tate. Good episode. Yeah, it's a great episode. It's a great season. Um, so on a much less fun topic. Um, oh God! So I didn't find a a mystery writer who was murdered. Um. I found a mystery writer who has murdered. Oh, yes. There's that woman oh, who, um, there, I remember a few years ago, there was a, a mystery writer who um, wrote a book about killing her husband. And then her husband, uh, like, was found murdered. And then it was oh, just fuck. like, she did it. Uh-oh. And it was like, uh. Did she do it? <laughs> yeah, she 100% did it and, like, okay, yeah. got found out and what? convicted. And it was like, uh,. You dumb bitch. How did I not come <laughs> okay, across that? Do you have a Do you have a name here? I, I think don't. But to, uh, I yeah. You right. you definitely do. Should fact check it. But that. it's um, yeah. Yeah. It was a thing. Uh, do you want me to fact check that really quickly? Will you look into that? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well. I'll, I'll see if I can find it. Author of How to Murder Your Husband, arrested for allegedly killing her husband. There it is. <laughs> Are you fucking joking? There right it now? fucking is. I told you. <laughs> so good <laughs> okay uh you gotta read me something out of this this is unreal 
I've okay, been so out truth. Uh... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we should have communicated before no- recording. Okay, so she's a romance novelist. Okay. Uh, this is from NBC two years ago. I, I should I should note that I do not believe there has been a resolution to this case. Oh, so maybe she didn't do it. She was arrested for it. Yeah, that's pretty compelling. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> y- y- if you write a book called How to Kill Your Husband and then your husband turns up murdered, you're going to at least I be mean, a suspect. Yeah. Okay, so Nancy Someone's going to bring you in. Brophy. Of course, her name was uh, fucking Nancy. None Crazy of those... white people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just the name Nancy is like a. There are people who are I... not white who are named Nancy, but this woman is white. Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty quite crazy white person name for sure. Uh, police did not release a possible motive. <laughs> uh, you, but they said. But you can check out her most recent bestseller. <laughs> motives for killing your husband. Sorry, go on. On information learned during the investigation, detectives believe Nancy L. Crampton Brophy is the suspect in Daniel C. Brophy's murder. Oh, my God. So for any of you aspiring murderers listening out here, here's a hot tip. Don't write a book about murdering the person that you're going to murder and then publish it and then murder that person because you will get arrested. Right. I, I, I want to uh, just uh, be very specific here, though, that, that this this case has not been resolved. Yeah, we don't know that she did it. We are not judge, jury, execution. I mean, she probably did it. Uh, she probably did it. Innocent until proven. <laughs> she wrote a book. <laughs> she wrote a literal book about murdering <laughs> her husband. <laughs> Innocent until proven guilty. We will follow this story closely. Sure. Um, yes. But so no, the has she had a, a has she is there a trial? Uh, apparently, she had a bail hearing. I don't I don't know what that okay. was for. Yeah, I mean, this is a murder trial, so yeah, it'll take fucking. Well, yeah. I guess we don't know that it's going to try a trial yet. She's just been arrested. Yeah. Well, yeah. that was two years ago. It was two years, but I mean, I think more recently that she had a bail hearing. I, I, I do you want me to like look in more into it? No. <laughs> You can look it up. We gave you all the information. (laughs) Yeah. Everything you need is right there. Yeah. So the major difference between that story and my story is you said she's a romance novelist. Yes. And that's close, but no cigar. Mm Mm-hmm. She's not a mystery writer. That's why it didn't come up up in my my searches. I came across this uh, mystery writer who has, in fact, murdered. Um, Anne Perry is a mystery writer who is famous for writing the Thomas Pitt series. Um, she has written over a hundred novels. Wow. Um, wow. That's impressive. Mystery or otherwise. Way to go, murder woman. Um, but just to take a quick look at her Wikipedia page here. Um, in June 1954, at the age of 15, um, Hulme, which is her original name, um, and her best friend, Pauline Parker, murdered Parker's mother. Oh, my God. Um, Jesus. Hulme's parents were in the process of separating, and she was supposed to go to South Africa to stay with a relative. The two teenage friends who had created a rich fantasy life together, populated with famous actors such as James Mason and Orson Welles, did not want to be separated. Honestly, a bit dark that she had a rich fantasy life 
and then went on. Also, that James Mason was in it. Yeah, I mean, also the part where I mean, she murdered she's a someone. She hasn't done that yet in the story. <laughs> That's a little dark too. On, I thought you just said they murdered. I feel like Parker's James Mason mother. has played a murderer. Yeah, you're right. Good point. On June twenty second, uh, nineteen fifty four. The girls and uh, the mother went for a walk in Victoria Park in their hometown of Christchurch. Um, this is in New Zealand? In New Zealand, yeah. On an yeah. isolated path, Hume, the author, dropped an ornamental stone so that the mother would lean over to retrieve it. Um, Parker had planned to hit her mother with half a brick wrapped in a stocking. Jeez. The Girls presumed this is this is it gets a little dark here, so forewarning. This is but the yeah. the girls presumed that one blow would kill her, but Oof. it took more than twenty. Oh my god. So god, Jesus fucking Christ. So long story short, they I'm murdered sorry, her. How, how did she how how uh, d- Okay. What? So <laughs> so what I what it seems to me here is that it's mostly her friend who did the murdering. Okay. Right. And she was like involved in the planning and there. That's pretty bad. Like I'm, I feel like you go to jail yeah, for a similar amount she of time. She was 15 if years old. Accomplice. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. I'm not defending a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds a little bit like you're defending a murderer here. Um, um, but she didn't go to like she, you would go to juvie. Well, surely. she was 15 years old. Um, I mean, that's the kind of she crime went, you just transfer over. Like, she went to prison, or juvie. But she was released in 1959. Girl, what? So five She's years crazy. in juvie. That okay. is not enough time in juvie. <laughs> I mean, why was she in juvie? At was 20? that was that her only murder, or did she that strike was her, again? That we know of. That was her only murder. She then moved to England, became a flight attendant, uh, became a Mormon, and then um, a bunch of novels, God, and then so wrote dark. over a hundred novels. About murder. <laughs> about murder. It's wait. What about the friend? Did the, how long did the friend go to jail for? Did we just become a fucking true crime podcast? A little mm, bit. I mean, why not? That's <laughs> I mean, this is called the, the only valid kind of podcast, in my opinion. But um, her... I don't know. I feel like we've dunked on true pro- true crime podcasts in previous episodes. <gasps> how dare you? I'm just trying to see. There was a film based off of this. Peter Jackson did a film mm. based off of this. Peter Jackson. Yeah. Like Lord of the Rings, guess, Peter Jackson? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Sir Peter Jackson. I mean, I guess, like, Peter Jackson couldn't stay out of it because it was a story about New Zealand. Yeah, <laughs> good point, yeah. <laughs> so it seems like she got out in the 90s. And the murder took place in the 50s. That's a good while. Right. That's a good long time. Yeah, so, that's a lot of jail time. You did murder. Oh your no, mother, hold on. But no, that's incorrect. They both only did five years. Holy fuck! What? Our fucking legal system is a well. It's joke. not our legal system. New Zealand's legal system. Oh right, yeah. Psst, wow. I mean, we did. This is not a deep dive, so there could be a lot more information yeah. that we're not we don't have here. But uh, on surface, surface that's level, pretty fucked up. That is fucked up. Dog. Yeah, that is wild. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was just an aside. Oh, good. <laughs> um, f- like, what I want- This is also like 60 years ago. I just want to point that out. The murder? Does yeah. it wear off? 
<laughs> no, no, but does, I'm saying like get less murdered? You know, that's not necessarily like uh Um I'm not I'm not to but you, you, you were just talking about murderer? legal system being fucked up. <laughs> You know. uh, yes, because it's so much better in the year of our Lord 2021. No, I'm not saying that. So now our uh, our main truth uh, segment is drawn from a book. Most of it is drawn from a book. Um, okay, what is our main truth segment? So, essentially, what, it, this devolved, as you can clearly see, um, because, you know, first I was trying to find, like, an actual <laughs> event that, like... Uh, emulated it. The bar got lower and lower and, and lower, lower, and, yeah. lower <laughs> and lower. But now we've got some interesting uh, Agatha Christie-like um, events that both uh, are Agatha Christie-like and were um, referenced in Agatha Christie novels. And there's a twist at the end. Is the twist that, you know... It was all actually a novel, and it wasn't real. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't know. I, the twist is that the truth is not actually true, and that Keaton has been lying to us the entire time. So we're gonna go through some like a couple of examples of, of real, real life events that have crime. the vibe of like a Christie novel. Yes, that, that have I, I been that is, referenced. That is where Keaton's going. Yes, that have been referenced. In Agatha Christie novels, yes, that's so specific. Is there an is, is there a, a very... large amount of those? There's incidences? a whole book. Yeah, yeah. Written by a guy named Mike Holgate. And what is the book called? The book is called Agatha Christie's True Crime Inspiration: Stranger Than Fiction. Ah. Okay, now we are a true crime podcast. First, the first story. So most of this is going to be connected through one book. Um. Yeah, I've lost how this is connected to Knives Out, to be honest. It's loose. <laughs> okay, it's tenuous. This is murder. This tends to be tenuous okay. unless there are aliens involved. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. It's murder mysteries. Okay. Um, so, the first one... Wait, what if somebody got murdered during the production of this movie? Well, then... That would be pretty cool. That would be the first thing we'd be talking about. I mean, about. is yeah. cool the word? Cool's the wrong no, word for I that. Mean, no, that's not what I mean. I mean, like, I'd you know... I'd be super that would sick be if someone interesting... got violent murdered on the set, am I right? <laughs> is Ryan Johnson a murderer? Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, no, it's J.J. Abrams. <laughs> no, remember Ryan Johnson? This guy, Jake's now calling J.J. Abrams a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> he murdered Star Wars. <laughs> He's a murderer of dreams. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um. Uh, what was I saying? All right. So these two stories are connected through Agatha Christie's novel um, "Ordeal by Innocence." Never read it. Uh, it's fine. She's got hundreds of them. You cannot be faulted for not reading one of her millions upon millions of novels. Um, there's only around 300 millions <laughs> and millions of novels. Did she did she outright Stephen King? That's a good question. I wouldn't be surprised. In pages or number of books? Because that's probably an important distinction. That's a yeah. good question. Uh, Definitely probably in not pages. pages. Yeah, not pages. <laughs> sorry, not yeah. Sorry, no one in no, history I mean, has I mean. outwritten Stephen King in number Written of pages. Page, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like. I don't think like Stephen King puts out like maybe 
a book and a half every year, I would say. Yeah. He's also been writing for longer than Agatha Christie's That's career true, yeah. was, so he yeah. ha- just has a he's been writing longer for... time doesn't mean he's necessarily yeah. more prolific. Longer than Agatha Christie's life was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think she was that old when she died. I could be. I actually, actually, maybe she was. Right. I don't remember. I don't know exactly. Um, so this one true crime case that we're going to discuss is the case of Charles Delaney Bravo. Oh, I'm um, so happy that I'm fulfilling my long-time dream of being on a true crime podcast. No, no, no. <laughs> this is a <laughs> film I'm podcast. I'm so <laughs> thrilled at where we found ourselves. This is a film <laughs> podcast. No, it's not. Yeah, the only crime on this podcast was the one committed by J.J. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. When he took the helm at Disney and steered that Star Wars ship into the fucking reef. Anyway. It was vehicular manslaughter. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so Charles Delaney Bravo uh, was a British lawyer uh, who was fatally poisoned with antimony in 1876. Um, the case is still sensational, notorious, and unresolved. Um, it was an unresolved crime committed... Oh, I, I picked this one specifically because of this detail. Uh, it was committed within an elite Victorian household at the Priory, a landmark house in Balham, London. Um, leading doctors... <laughs> <laughs> no, it was that you pronounced the H. It's just funny. I know that funny. that's what it was. I, I know. I pronounced... I mispronounced... <laughs> I mispronounced Balham, and I could see Margot giving me a look out of the side. I didn't give any look. <laughs> um... Leading doctors attended the bedside, including the royal physician, Sir William Gull, and all agreed that it was a case of antimony poisoning. Uh, The victim took three days to die, but gave no indication of the source of the poison during that time, and no one was ever charged with the crime. Um, Brutal. Very brutal. So, one hypothesis which I found particularly interesting, was that Charles Bravo was slowly poisoning his wife with small, cumulative doses of antimony in the form of tartar emetic, um, which explains the chronic illness that she suffered. Um, Blah, 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 blah. So the, the, the mistake was that while treating himself with laudanum for a toothache, he mistakenly swallowed some of the poison that oh he was poisoning God. his wife. And then the no. reason that he didn't tell anybody about it for the three days <laughs> is because he was like, I fucking poisoned myself. He was too embarrassed right, yeah. to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so fair. I choose to believe that that is what happened. Yeah. Yeah, poison doesn't seem to be a very good murder weapon. No. I mean, unless you no, do it right, like... it seems to be that it's the best murder weapon. I, mean, I guess it depends on the context. Yeah, this is yeah. not a true crime podcast. Yes, we will not no. be talking about yeah. it. So, a sec. So that that one was referenced in the in the book I in, uh, I mentioned earlier, uh, "Ordeal by Innocence." Um, it was a brief throwaway mention, though, because they they mention it because it's unsolved. Like the the main detective in the is like perhaps it'll remain unsolved, like the the what was it called the the murder at the priory um the second one is a case that like 
most people have probably heard of. I'd heard of it. I didn't really know the details of it, but it's mentioned twice in um, Ordeal by Innocence, and that is the Lizzie Borden case. Oh, fuck yeah, the Lizzie Borden house. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, it's a, it's the, supposedly one of the most haunted houses in America. So, yeah, tell tell me about Lizzie Borden, dog. The, uh, gosh, I, I mean, it's been a long time. Um, she was a young girl who was... Uh, supposed to have, I don't know, murdered a ton of people. It's a, uh, oh, just two? Yeah, well, she's supposed to have murdered her parents with an axe, which is why she's so famous. The axe is, yeah, the, the she, she, yeah, it's a thing, yeah, that's all I remember. The fact that she used an axe, that, yeah. Yeah, that's the only standout thing I remember. Um, Everything else. And the fact that the house, you can, I think you can go stay at the Lizzie Borden house. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it's been converted into an inn. I don't want to do that at all, yeah. <laughs> well, apparently it's really haunted. And it's like a fun yeah, ghost I, experience. All the more reason for me to not want yeah, to well, do it. Yeah, well, you guys yeah. are fucking <laughs> lame. <laughs> I definitely want um, to do that. Well, it's about the, uh, the Lizzie Borden case, it's actually a common misconception that nobody was ever charged with the crime. Um, she was not found guilty. Uh... She actually reported the murders. She found her parents. Okay. That's a classic move, though. Yeah. I mean, that is a classic move. Yeah. Um, but uh, it happened also in Massachusetts. Yes, it did. Which is uh, mm, an a very murdery place. New England is very murdery. <laughs> it's yeah. true. Very murdery, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, the victims had been savagely attacked and killed with several blows from a fesh- freshly cleaned axe that was found lying nearby. Um, police discovered that the day before the murders, two drugstores had refused to sell Prussic, Prusic acid to Lizzie, who claimed she required the preparation to mothball a fur cape. Sure, Lizzie. Sure. So ultimately she was... Oh, and she was also supposed to inherit her father's considerable wealth, but feared that her mm. stepmother's um, uh, presence potentially uh, would usurp her of that inheritance. So there's some motive there. So she did she kill her mom and her dad or her dad and her stepmother? Her, her dad and her stepmother. Okay. Okay. Well, that's fine then. <laughs> It happened a while ago. It's fine to joke about. It's all fair game. Too soon? So ultimately, Lizzie was not... uh, She was acquitted. And for some reason, she, like, decided to stay in the town and, like, became, like, ostracized. What is the town called? Do you have that Fall River, Massachusetts. Hmm. A place I never intend on visiting. <laughs> no. I, I kind of thought it would ring a bell, but that doesn't. So, let's bring this all back now. Because it is loosely connected, fair enough, to uh, Knives Out. It's all loosely connected because um, Agatha Christie, crime novels, that's a loose connection. Sure, fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but the final connection that I'd like to make is that the Agatha Christie novel we're talking about, Ordeal by Innocence, um, was made into a film in 19... Mm. 
84, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. A film starring one Christopher Plummer. Ooh! Oh! And there you have it, folks. That's so great. An iconic theme. <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, technically, he he was a main character. He wasn't like the main character, but he was. Uh, right. A... Hey, it's a he lot was, stronger than anything up until now. So exactly. Don't sell yourself short. Exactly. Yes. And there you have it, folks. That is the truth. And it. Do wait. Does Kurt Russell factor into this? One? <laughs> Not this time. <laughs> Kurt Russell is actually nowhere near this one. Known alien Kurt Russell? Is that yes. is that? Well, no, he's not an alien. He oh. just knows the aliens. He's an alien observer. Oh, he was abducted. Was he abducted? No, he just observed. We don't know. Yeah. That's true. Wait, what do you mean? Oh, you know what? He's a witness. You know, let this if go. you want to know what we're talking go. about, go back and listen to the Men in Black episode. Oh, okay, okay, I will. Exactly. No, I probably won't. Is that, that was that a two parter? No, that was back when we were just doing one parters. Oh so God, is it like seven hours episode. long? It's a three hour episode. Yeah, worth it. Jesus. I mean, exactly. I once listened to a seven and a half hour podcast about the show Pretty Little Liars. So, oh God, yeah. yeah. So anything's possible. The series finale episode was yeah. seven and a half hours long. Only seven? Yeah. And a half. Well, you know, our podcast might be that long when we eventually cover Barry Lyndon, which is on our list at some point. It is on there, yeah. Barry Lyndon. How long is that movie? Like five hours? <laughs> no, it's not. It feels longer than I think it is. <laughs> I don't think it's even four hours. Maybe it had super uninteresting production and it's like shot in one room and the podcast will be like 20 minutes. No, it's a uh, Stanley Kubrick film. Oh. Yeah, you're fucked. <laughs> Precisely. I believe it fits on two laser discs, so it can't be that long. Yikes. So before we go too off the rails here, let's just bring it bring it home one last bring it time back now, y'all. to the film that we are talking about, lest we forget. Knives friggin' out, dog. An excellent film by Ryan Johnson, whose name I will respectfully pronounce ryan johnson ryan from here on out um good of you let's give some final thoughts thank you (laughs) excellent um margaret do you want to start us off with your like final thoughts just just round up you know what you liked about the film why you liked it your final thoughts (laughs) that's not that's not complex i can start if you want or jake can start yeah, someone else start. Jake, why don't you start? Why don't I start? Okay. Um, I don't know. You know, how can you go fucking wrong with this movie? Like, you know, all-star cast. Like, fucking excellent acting all around, you know. Well, not all Just... around. <laughs> oh, my God. Leave the poor girl alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, great acting for the most part. Uh <laughs> Just fantastic, fantastic script, you know, so many twists and turns had me, uh, you know, just hanging on, you know, trying to figure out what's going to happen next, you know? Yeah, so excellent stuff, uh, just great plot, 
well put together, well shot, uh, you know, great sets, great fucking props, great everything, and J.J. Abrams is a murderer. <laughs> and to sum it all up, As the only important thing to take away from this whole podcast is that J.J. Abrams can get fucked. The, the nice little punctuation there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, all right, okay, I can go. Um, yeah, I mean, super good. What can I say? Love it. It's in my it's in my top five. I think something. Hmm. I'm trying to think of something we haven't we haven't said yet. I guess just like I, I, one of my favorite things about the the movie is Marta's character. I just think she's such a great yes. heroine. Um, and she's surrounded by people who are dishonest and greedy and you know parasitic and just terrible <laughs> monsters really and she she remains this like you know very true good she decent, has a kind heart yeah she has yeah. a kind and heart believably so yeah and she's a good nurse yes. and those are the tenets that kind of rise to the top of the movie is is like you know how her decency and her kindness yeah kind of uh you know are the are the driving force of the, of the the truth of yeah. the movie and and ultimately are what kind of you know make it all rise to the surface yeah yeah i just i feel like i like yeah. I, there was a lot of cynicism in this movie and a lot of cynicism in the the kind of like social commentary and stuff yeah that i i, I don't say cynic Actually, cynicism in that it's incorrect i think it's like it it, it is correct yeah. and we live in a horrible hellscape um Spe speaking of that i, I want to highlight one of the the jokes that they made actually which i thought was really funny yeah which one was the the dig that that none of the thrombies knew what country she was oh from. yeah the oh, repeated great. the that repeated so miss origin yeah, yeah we totally forgot to mention that like yeah. each one yeah i mean there's so many things yeah. like that we couldn't get to them all if we had yeah you know hours yeah. just talking about that but yeah yeah, I just uh yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much it. I liked it all around. Super fun movie, super entertaining. A great love letter to a great genre. Yeah. Yeah. I think um yeah. Like you were saying the uh um the rewatchability kind of becomes a thing with this movie because there are so many of these little things. It's oh like, yeah, you pick something up, pick yeah, something new up each time. Yeah, yeah. Like I almost want to rewatch yeah. it now, even though I've already watched it like twice today, practically. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like late last night and early today. Um, but yeah, uh, what was the other thing I was gonna mention? It's such like a a a a, a dark movie with like a real really dark and like you know a little cringeworthy at times in kind of the way yeah. it's it's gone about or they they go about it but it's actually quite accurate to some of the uh the uh the com political commentary yeah. yeah exactly it's like it's on the nose it's a bit too on the nose in 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 some ways i get it like just even the language like when he calls her a snowflake and she's like you all right troll liberal snowflake it's like that that is yeah. the closest to over the line in terms of mm -hmm. that, yeah I, yeah that sort of thing it came for me um but but both of them are caricatures 
Exactly. I, yeah, I think I really do think that that was the point. Like, I I think it yeah. was supposed to be like, who the fuck calls someone an alt right troll? You liberal snowflake. Yeah. Yeah. And also, who the fuck calls someone a liberal snowflake? You alt right troll. Like, it's, yeah. exactly. I think yeah. it's supposed to be like these fucking idiots. Like, yeah. uh, they're both just yeah. different shades of stupid. <laughs> and then the fact that and it's like about a murder and it's got all this blah 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 and it, the fact that it comes out on such like a like a wholesome message that doesn't even come yeah. doesn't come across totally it's all about like you know the, yeah. the importance of human decency decency at the end of the day and yeah. like how you yeah, know exactly. that should be the bottom line yeah like being honest and, and not being money kind. yeah and, and not like, being greedy and just yeah. having a good heart and taking care of people will will yeah. deliver you to you know what you deserve yeah. and good things and all the rest of it i mean I, I, I definitely optimistic. like how it manages to be so dark, but also, yeah, be, like, you know, so optimistic and, and so funny as well. Yeah. yeah, there's great humor in it. There's yeah. a lot of levity there yeah. that is, you know, it's, it, it's hard. It's hard to create, like, true moments of, of humor and, like, mm. fun banter and connection in in the midst of that. And they do it, they do it really well. I, I mean, uh, like, her dynamic with... um christopher Plummer is so fun and so compelling like yeah their relationship is so beautiful and sweet and they have this like this closeness and this intimacy that it's like usually i feel like between like an old white dude and like a young latina girl it's gonna be like oh this is yeah it would normally be really weird disgusting but But they don't they they have such a wholesome sweet dynamic that's so engaging to watch part of that comes from the magnetism magnetic charisma of one christopher Plummer. i mean you i i think absolutely you're, i think you are selling uh what's her name anna de Armas. yeah i think I you're selling her I short am. of course she is a force in this movie she she, 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 she yes, has the course. most wonderful energy and she really does yes. this role I, uh, so so well her facial expressions in this movie I, are so good yeah i think they i think i think you're right though mm. like it's both of them and they they together they are more than mm. the sum of their parts even they have they have a really fun definitely really yeah. fun interaction yeah really fun uh relationship there and same with um her and betty blanc actually you know yeah well actually they have a great i great dynamic did, yeah I did one mean, of my sorry go ahead i did mean to mention uh she because of this role uh because she worked with uh daniel craig and he as you may or may not know is very uh involved in casting the bond women oh um, oh is he yes <laughs> God, I would kill to see her in a Bond villain role. She is... Is she going to be the next Bond villain? I didn't say... I mean, Bond girl? She is in the next Bond movie because of her role in this movie. Right. Awesome. Right. So so we have that to look forward to. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes from the movie is between them when um, uh, she gives... She finally gives Benny the, the toxicology report. And she's like, oh, and I just handed you the final piece of the puzzle. You know, you're a really terrible detective. And he's like, well, you make a pretty lousy murderer. So maybe we deserve each other. Well, she didn't even fucking read the report. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They're both. It's they're fun. (laughs) Their dynamic is fun as well. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's good shit. Is there. Can I ask a final question? Are we like going cutting off? If if if. I mean, I think we're nearing the end, but definitely throw in everything you got. Yeah, exactly. That's what this part's for. Sure. Um, like, it's going to end when when we have nothing else to say. <laughs> when there is nothing worth saying. Exactly. Um, if you guys could improve the movie, how would you do that? If there's mm. one way that you could 
that you think it could be improved? Uh, or just something recast. fun you'd like to see? I would. Oh make my a God, you and movie. fucking Catherine Langford. You would make a second movie. <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer. I mean, <laughs> I'm not. Is the, mm, <laughs> I'm not sure that's an improvement upon the first. The answer the first. is that there's nothing to improve. Interesting. Except to add more. No, I mean, I I don't know. There's probably something you can improve. I don't I don't think that like you know. Like, given the amount of fucking shit that, like, goes into putting a film together, uh, I guarantee you there's something that there's wasn't no such thing as 100% perfection. perfect. Yeah. No. It's never it's a like, flawless machine. Just there's so many possible steps that, like, certainly one of them was not done as well yeah. as it could have. Yeah. But what came out was fantastic, I think. What about you? What would you have done? Um, I mean, I... I, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> I'm a very big fan of this movie. I think I, I really like almost all of it. I think maybe something that, that like, a lot of the really great mysteries have, which I think they're probably going to do if this, is, if this is something they continue. But, you know, I think it would have been fun to have often the detective or the investigator or, you know, whatever the, the main person who's investigating yeah. the mystery, whatever they're, you know, the title yeah, yeah, may yeah. be. Um, when they have, like, a a mystery of their own or, like, some kind of personal stake in the story, mm, you know, I right. think that just adds, like, a, a depth to it when, when you pull the, the detective is in and they're not just this yeah. kind of objective, untouchable... Totally. Uh, you know... I definitely think that there's there's definitely an opportunity there, but also like, I don't think there was enough room. In I this was movie just gonna say this movie. The thing yeah. is, is like I think that's something that would be fun to explore in 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 any future projects that involve him. But I yeah. think this movie was so busy. Full. Yeah, there was so and, and much. You also have to have to be careful with that, just because like I think the character of Benoit Blanc is, is like so good, so that you'd have to like. You'd have to make sure, like, when you're expanding it, that you, you know, do your due diligence and make sure that, like, everything fits. Yeah, I think his, I think him being a little bit of a mysterious figure that you don't know too much about is, is, is fun in this movie. I I think it works. I think there's, there's so much going on in this movie, like, narratively, thematically, visually, like, it's just, it's already so jam packed (laughs) that I think it would definitely, it would have been too much. Also, he's such a weirdo that it's like, I think to explain. Oh yeah, he's that, a total yeah. enigma, Difficult. and that's part yeah. of his charm. So it's like he could. It's if if you try to explain that, I think it would lose some of. But the, I I would like yeah. to see and I'd like I'd like some some, some juicy deets, some juicy insights into Benny Blanc. Yeah, I don't maybe. even need juicy insights. I would listen to him monologue for a movie. <laughs> I just want to hear. Exactly. I just want to. Yeah, I just want to hear, hear him yeah. have revelations. Like, yeah. <laughs> I want yeah. the donut hole monologue for an hour and thirty minutes nonstop. Yes. I'd love it. Yeah, except uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd just love for him to call it a Timbit. Yeah. I just want to hear Daniel Craig <laughs> say the word Timbit. Tim's bit. Yeah, so Jake, yeah. there's your one amendment is that you would, you would, yes, it's that, not donut You would hole. have him call it a Timbit? You'd have it, you'd have him refer to it I mean, it that as wouldn't Tim's really make bit. sense though because yeah. he's like, he's from the fucking deep south. He probably doesn't know what a Timbit is. No, but in your perfect world, everybody knows what Tim's bits are. I wish you would call yes. <laughs> I wish it so much. Everybody knows what Timbits are. Everybody's been to a Timbits. Yeah, in the perfect world, everybody has heard of Tim's bits. Um, God damn it. All right. So. He really, really wants to say Tim's bits. <laughs>
well, as many his. times he as he can squeeze them. in. <laughs> they belong to him. Yeah. Um, they're his. So that brings yeah. us to the end of our Knives Out podcast. This episode or two episodes have been uh, dedicated to uh, the memory of uh, Christopher Plummer.